Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are so excited to welcome Sister Mindy Booth Baxter as our guest. Sister Baxter, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you. We've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Thanks. We'll briefly introduce Mindy, but we'll also be talking a lot about her experiences and excited to do that. So Sister Baxter has been serving on the Relief Society Advisory Council, previously known as the board, under President Jean B. Bingham since 2017. She was raised in Salt Lake City. She worked in international development. She spent time studying and working in New York City and now is a chef. She married her husband, Ryan Baxter, in 2018. So, Mindy, we're just excited to have you here today and fun to see you in person Thank again. Thank you. Nice to see you, too. So, Sister Baxter, we first met a couple years ago, and since first meeting you, I've always been so interested. You have a very varied and impressive impressive personal and professional background. Yes. Um, We kind of mentioned from working on Wall Street and serving as a Relief Society president in New York City to helping found a food truck in Utah and and maybe even elsewhere now. (laughs) Yeah. So you've had some really diverse and interesting experiences, and you've told us that these things have required at times big leaps of faith on your part. And we'd love for you to share the things that have brought you to this point in life being on the advisory council, being recently married, we'd love to hear kind of that path. Sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. You know, I have to say, as I look back on my life and see the things that have transpired, none of it has been planned. I had no idea that I would do any of these things. And I absolutely give the Lord 100% credit. Growing up in Salt Lake City, I was the girl who, you know, my mom was one of six kids. I was one of six kids. I thought I would just go to college kind and get married mm-hmm. and get have six kids because mm-hmm. that's what I saw done. Right. I didn't have educational aspirations. And when I didn't get into the college of my choice, that was a big wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And then as I went to school and then didn't get married like a lot of my friends, that was a big wake-up call. And I've, mm-hmm. and through all of those experiences, I've had to turn to the Lord and ask Him what He would have me do and ask Him for healing because those things were difficult. Mm-hmm. And as I've done so, and it's been line upon line, He started to strengthen my faith and, and teach me, give me opportunities to be able to do things that, from my perspective, out of the norm, mm-hmm. um, not what I had planned. Right. And so I'm grateful for that. After college, I'd been working for a little while and had a couple of failed serious relationships. Mm-hmm. And I was about 28 years old, and I remember having a conversation with a family member who's a gospel mentor, I would say. Mm-hmm. And he gave me some advice, and he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, I've lived my life taking revelation-led leaps of faith. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. And at the time, I remember thinking, what? What is that? I don't even know what that means, <laughs> you know? But he said, you know, are you, you're looking at graduate school. Where are you looking? I said, oh, you know, the ones right, right next to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I encourage you to look someplace else. Mm-hmm. Like, what about a big city? And I thought, what are you talking about? (laughs) And uh, I ended up, through a series of events, moving to New York City to go to graduate school. And it was because of him, because of that advice, and because I turned to the Lord and asked him what he would have me do. That Mm -hmm. was definitely a leap of faith. And it was not easy. 
it was very, very difficult. My parents were actually serving a mission in Nigeria at the time. So, oh, and this wow. was before FaceTime. Yeah. So sure. I couldn't contact them. And so it was a very much an adventure. Very, mm-hmm. very exciting, but also very challenging. Mm-hmm. But I think as I look back, that pattern of taking revelation-led leaps of faith Mm -hmm. has been a pattern, not because it was something that I was comfortable doing, but it was something that kind of been pushed to have to do. Things like moving to New York City and attending graduate school, being called to serve in Relief Society and Young Women Leadership Callings in New York that I was not equipped to do. (laughs) I didn't have any experience seeking counseling when those difficult experiences turn to anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of those things, focusing on, you know, turning to the Lord and asking, what would you have me do? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. I think that's brought me to where I am. And, And when I heard President Nelson's talk, Let God Prevail, I thought, oh, I think that's what my Father in Heaven has been trying to teach me for years to allow him to prevail in my life. So I'm maybe starting to get it, I hope. That's beautiful, that connection that you made with these revelation-led leaps of faith and then letting God prevail. And that is a very scary thing. But then you've had all these incredible experiences that you never would have had. And then you can kind of make the most of those situations through the difficulties. So I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks. Mindy, I'd love if you could share how you ended up in the culinary world, because that's pretty far from Wall Street. (laughs) Oh, you know, my career path has not really been a path as much as it has been kind of a circuitous squiggle line. (laughs) You know, I studied communication, actually worked for the church during the Olympics. Oh, it neat. was so got cool. to work with public affairs, so that was really fun. And then worked in a nonprofit setting where they sent me to Africa, and I did some development work there. But that's what led me to graduate school. And then when I finished graduate school, focusing on nonprofit work, the Lord dropped a job on Wall Street in my lap, and I thought, no, 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 this is not, no, 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 I'm going to do nonprofit work. But it was the right thing after I prayed and fasted. So I did that for about a decade Mm -hmm. where I was in the financial industry. So fast forward 10 years, I was just mm, not feeling it. I was just really Mm. feeling a need to simplify my life. And I had an impression that was, you know, it wasn't really a formed thought, just this idea that if I didn't simplify my life, I wouldn't have an opportunity to marry. And I was 40 had been successful in this career path. So it took me a while to find an exit strategy, to save up (laughs) some money, but I just left. I just quit, didn't have a plan. And I was ready for a change, but I didn't know what that change was. So, you know, I didn't have a plan to go to culinary school, but I took six months off Mm because I needed a break and then thought, well, I've got to do something but I don't want to be sitting behind a computer. What can I do? Something with food or kids? And I'd always had this kind of secret desire to go to culinary <laughs> school and looked into it while I was in the city and decided that, well, I'm just going to see if this is something I want to do. So a friend of mine in my singles ward owned a bakery. So I went to her and said, hey, can I just hang around here for a little while? <laughs> she let me apprentice, and I did that for about a year and learned that, yeah, this food thing, I love it. So I decided to go to culinary school. Then a friend contacted me and said, hey, you're in food, right? And I said, uh, yes, yes. (laughs) sure. And he said, I'm starting a food truck. And will you come be my chef? And I said, sure. Okay, well, (laughs) I mean, if we're all just making this up, so I'll try it. So we started, we launched that business the same week, I think it was, that I started culinary school. Oh, wow. 
I did that for a couple of years and then actually got to start my own little catering company that I've kind of put aside because this new assignment is kind of bigger, but it <laughs> takes yeah. a little more time. But I'm so grateful for the prompting that the Lord gave me to simplify because if I hadn't slowed down and really taken time to evaluate what is it that I want to do with my life and follow that passion, which was very counterintuitive at 40 years old, to stop working, move in with my parents, and <laughs> work for $8 an hour for a year, you know. <laughs> but if I hadn't followed that, I don't think I would have been in the place to be called to this, mm -hmm. to be able to have the bandwidth. And my husband said that one of the things that he liked about me when we met was that I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Heavenly Father, <laughs> thanks for that. Mm -hmm. What's so. so interesting about this is that the prompting you received was to simplify your life. It wasn't, hey, Mindy, quit your job, move. It was simplify your life. And so then that gives you the opportunity to evaluate what you're doing and what you want to do. And I just mm -hmm. think that's inspiring that you took that time to really figure out what that revelation meant for you. Yep. Yeah. And I can imagine how uncomfortable, like those are leaps. Yeah. Those yes, aren't like, definitely. here's a little rock, step on this rock and then step on, you know, it's like, we're jumping, we're going, you know. Yep. And I think that's really inspiring because anyone at any point or situation in life is faced with those opportunities to mm -hmm. take leaps that we really don't know. But when we're led by even simple revelation, that can guide us in a direction. So yeah, I appreciate that. And I would say that the job change was a big leap of faith. I've had other smaller ones that I've taken in the past that have helped me to learn that the Lord is always there. If I'm following that revelation, He will catch me. He will show me the next step. So mm -hmm. because I had taken other smaller leaps, taking this big one, it wasn't as scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mindy, you've now served on the Relief Society Advisory Council for over three years, mm -hmm. and you shared with us that you can see in your life how the Lord has prepared you, and then over the last several years, too, when you've had so many changes and had so many different opportunities, especially for your current assignments. And I think this is interesting. We'd just love to know more about this principle of preparation. When you're having so many changes in your life, there's only so many things you can prepare for. Do you know what I mean? If you're kind of being surprised or having to take these leaps of faith. So we would just love to know from your perspective, this principle of preparation, how the Lord prepares you and how you can prepare. It's a good question. I remember being in a difficult moment in New York and reading my scriptures and Doctrine and Covenants 111 jumped out to me. And it was like a revelation to my soul. And I remember reading the phrase that I will order all things for your good. And I remember thinking, how is that even possible? How can these experiences where I'm not dating and I'm not anywhere near where I want to be, be for my good? So I think about that now and think, oh, that was a revelation to me that the Lord was saying, I'm doing my work. Mm -hmm. I'm preparing you. And I had no idea what it would look like, but I'm grateful for that little hint of confirmation. I can see certainly that my life experience of being uncomfortable is perfect for this calling. <laughs> I don't think anybody who is called to a leadership position like this is prepared or feels confident. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a leap of faith. It is out of my comfort zone. And we actually talk as a council. We joke about this all the time. Like, oh, we're doing another thing that's uncomfortable. Here we go. <laughs> like recording a podcast. This is 
not in my comfort zone. <laughs> so I'm grateful that the Lord has stretched me in the past, so I've learned how to do that. In terms of particular assignments that I have, I can think of a few. I've been assigned by the Relief Society General Presidency to sit on a Temple and Family History Strategic Working Group. So kind of a cross-section of church departments, and we are looking at how can we help improve the temple experience, help our members to catch the vision, help our leaders to, you know, all the things. And I received my endowment when I was 25 years old, and when I was in New York City, was called to be a temple worker. And I did that for about five years. And so my love for the temple just blossomed. And then when I moved to Utah, I had, have had some experiences with family history, you know, family history was the thing my aunt did. It was not my thing. <laughs> but, but the Lord has kindly and mercifully given me opportunities, and my love for family history has grown. So I can see with that assignment how I've been prepared. A second one is that I get to advise with a General Authority 70. The two of us advise the Young Adult Weekly Digital Magazine, which is kind of an offshoot of the Liahona, mm -hmm. and it's digital for young adults. It's um, really good. It is It is really good. We'll link right? to it in the show notes. I'm so impressed with these young adults who are the writers and obviously the audience of these articles, and I think that my personal experience, I feel like I am a young adult. I guess technically I'm in my 40s, but <laughs> I have had so many of the similar experiences that these articles are speaking to. And so I think I have a sensitivity that maybe somebody who hasn't had, you know. You understand the need to. Absolutely. Like I just think of if you were serving as a Relief Society president in New York City, you're seeing what people need. You're, you're mm -hmm. understanding, especially in more diverse or, or different areas of the yeah. church, yep. what, what are the issues that young adults are facing? Yeah. Young and people. How old am I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> these young people. <laughs> it's totally true. And then there's one other thing. I learned to be able to teach by the Spirit. I'm so grateful that the Lord taught me that because I'm not a trained teacher. I didn't have a lot of experience, and I remember I was asked to speak in a stake conference. I was in the Stake Relief Society presidency then, and I was representing the presidency and felt this burden to, mm -hmm. yeah, to say something profound. And I <laughs> yeah. was given, you know, five minutes. I thought, five minutes? I can give a five-minute talk. It's fine. My topic was prayer, and I was in the temple. I was studying. I went through every talk on prayer that I could find. I mean, hundreds of talks over the course of a week. It didn't come. And I remember thinking, what is wrong with me? Clearly, I'm not receiving revelation here and understood after a while. It took me a while, but I understood that it was a stupor of thought. And I had to figure out what it was that the Lord wanted me to say. And I was panicked because it didn't come until I was sitting on the stand. Oh, wow. And the person <laughs> before me was speaking, and I got out a piece of paper and just started scribbling. It came. I mean, I had been in the scriptures. I had, you right. know, there was plenty in my mind. It came together on the stand. Mm -hmm. And then I got up and taught from the scriptures, which I had never done before, even in lessons. And I certainly had never done it in a state conference. <laughs> I was terrified. But the Spirit directed me. And I could remember what I said for about a month later. It was so clear that the Spirit had taught me. That's so cool. And mm -hmm. so I think back on that experience and know that I did my part to prepare. And then the Spirit took over. And I have to use that skill and that knowledge, that testimony, mm -hmm. every day in this calling. Yeah. Like wow. right here. 
I'm praying that the Spirit will teach me what to say. I just think that's such an interesting look at preparation, too, Mm -hmm. because in my mind, preparation is like a month before the talk, I sat down and I wrote a first draft, and then every day I prepared, and it was just this beautifully edited, perfectly Mm -hmm. put together. I was so prepared. But preparation (laughs) is your whole life. It's not like you can just teach from the scriptures if you haven't been studying the scriptures, if you haven't been studying what prophets and other church leaders have been teaching about prayer. And then it does all come together with the help of the Spirit. And I think you do hear that from leaders in the church. And and I even think of missionaries. It's that scripture to obtain the word and then that it's there and it's accessible for you with the guidance of the Spirit. Because, of course, you needed to say the things that needed to be said to those that were listening that day. Mm -hmm. And I needed to learn that the Lord would teach me as I put forth effort. And that you could do that. And so now you can draw on that experience. You said every day. So that was a major example of being prepared and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) just opening your mouth and it came out. I just think that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to think of the scripture in the very moment. I'll give you Mm -hmm. what you should say Mm -hmm. in Doctrine and Covenants 100. That was my experience. It hadn't been my experience before that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I know that that's true. And I can't just expect that to happen. I have to do the preparation. There's some effort required. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can expect and it. And then happen. I can mm-hmm. expect it. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of want to expect it without having to do the preparation, <laughs> but that doesn't always Don't work. Don't we all? <laughs> so. Mindy, as we talked in preparation for this interview and we discussed what might be valuable that you could share, you really courageously shared with us that you have experienced infertility and pregnancy loss. And when you did that, we were just so grateful because we know that this is something that so many women and families experience. And by relation, you know, we each have family members or friends who experience. And we would love if you would be willing to share your story and your experience. Sure. Thank you. Well, I will say this is my experience. Mm -hmm. So many do struggle with infertility and pregnancy loss. And so I want to be sensitive to that and just share that this is just my own personal journey and recognize that it won't be representative of others' Mm -hmm. journey. Um, But that doesn't make mine or yours invalid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just really unique. Yeah. My husband and I, we got married in our 40s. And as I had previously mentioned, you know, I always just figured I'd have a large family and get married and have kids, and that's kind of all I ever wanted. So when we got married in our 40s, we thought, well, okay, we'll better get on this pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And so we, of course, have consulted medical (laughs) professionals, and they have great skill and great tenderness, and we're grateful for that. We had a short pregnancy, but... It didn't last. Mm -hmm. You know, I miscarried it just a handful of weeks. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, I thought, well, it was just short. It doesn't count. I think it does. Mm -hmm. I think it It does count. It was very difficult. It was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. Kind of having that hope, that buildup, and then to just have it dashed was really a very tender time. So after that, we consulted some more doctors and Mm And then we received, you know, basically a prognosis, which was not very promising. That actually happened just over a year ago. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And I think as difficult as that was for the world to shut down and have this strange change, I was secretly a little grateful for it because the world simplified. And I was able to grieve at home and ponder and work through some of that. So... A strange little silver lining, I guess, in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's 
hard trying to move through this hope of wanting to have something that is a righteous desire. And I guess an expectation that it would just Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not happening. And I watch others where it's happening all around me. You know, women in my ward and family members. Ryan and I both come from big families. And we've had four nieces and nephews born since we've been married. In that time. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're happy. We're thrilled. We want to go to the baby showers. But sometimes it's a little too tender. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can think of one time that I just thought, oh, I have the gift right here. I couldn't get out the door. Mm-hmm. I was sobbing. And I think that's okay. Yeah. You know, I still sent the gift. I'm still, you know, want to celebrate the happiness in the lives of others. But it's also okay to be able to protect my emotions and mm-hmm. work through it. So I've had to ask the Lord what he would have me do in this. In the meantime. If I'm not going to have children, and we are still very hopeful, we're still pursuing options. But in the meantime... What would he have me do? Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking, Ryan and I were talking the other night, about the principle of the compensatory blessing. And I think that we have seen those compensatory mm-hmm. blessing, the compensating. Mm-hmm. And that's from President Irene, yes. right? Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. I love that concept that the Lord will compensate and he will give us other opportunities to grow, to learn, to serve I definitely have seen that, to get outside of myself and to feel joy. I think that one of the compensatory blessings for me in my life is this calling. I have felt very much that the Lord has given me an opportunity to serve in His kingdom, to teach the principles that I firmly believe and have testimony of, and share that vision with other women with Relief Societies and Elders Quorums and this work of salvation that I feel so passionately about. Mindy, we're so grateful for your generosity to share this experience. And we know that so many women experience this. And there are going to be a lot of listeners who are going to be really appreciative about this topic being discussed. And you've shared that you're still in the middle of this journey. You don't yet know the end of your story. Mm-hmm. And we're just wondering what brings you peace and hope and has helped you to be able to move forward in faith. I think I've asked myself that same thing. It has not been easy. I thought I might get a little emotional. <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been easy. I've gone through the stages of grief. There was a period of anger. <laughs> My poor husband. I went on a lot of walks at that point and had a lot of internal conversations with the Lord, trying to understand where I was angry. Mm -hmm. But I think about giving myself that leeway, I guess, to be able to grieve. Mm -hmm. When I realized that that was a thing, Mm -hmm. the grief, that this was grief that I was feeling, that helped me to be able to process. Mm-hmm. Allowing yourself to feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And recognize that this is normal. Mm-hmm. This is a normal reaction. It's okay that I'm feeling anger. It's okay that I'm feeling this almost a denial of, you know, this shock and the depression that followed. Mm-hmm. Because the psychologists teach those stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And I hit every single one. <laughs> and not linearly, let's be clear. Right. It's very much comes right. in waves. Mm-hmm. But when I started seeing a fertility specialized therapist, she helped me to understand that these are very normal human reactions and that that's okay. And what I think, too, I think of some friends who 
have shared, how do I not direct those angry feelings toward God, feeling Mm -hmm. that anger and bitterness? And from what I hear you saying is it helps to understand Mm -hmm. it's okay for me to feel this way. Maybe you could talk about how you've coped with not directing that toward God who could intervene or hasn't. I don't know that there's a direct answer to that, but I think in my life, how have I not been bitter while I was single all those years? Mm -hmm. Because it's very similar. (laughs) It feels the same. I think that I've tried to turn to him and ask him for relief. Instead of directing anger, it's not that I'm not feeling that, because Mm -hmm. sometimes I am feeling that. Sure. And I might even express it. Mm -hmm. And... It's the principle of, and help thou my unbelief. Yeah, hmm. I'm feeling this, but please help me to move through it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm going through that process of just turning to the Savior, that over time, I think that my heart is softened. And it's more of a connection than a barrier, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that happens Interesting. In, yes. our, in our relationships with my husband or with my sibling or whatever the scenario that I can decide for this thing to become a wedge, or I can use it as a learning experience. Kind of be a bridge almost. Yes. If I'm really committed to the relationship, I'm going to want to work through it. And I know that the Savior is always there. It's me, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have to be willing to want to work through it and get to that resolution. And it's not an easy process, but it works. That's such an amazing concept because I'm just thinking of all these emotions that are involved with, especially infertility that we're discussing. And all of these feelings are so natural. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to express them and feel them and allow them to happen, but still connect Mm -hmm. to people, Mm -hmm. I think that's such an incredible thing that you've been able to do. Well, and what I see is you turning to God as a source realizing this is going to be my source of healing and of peace at this time and drawing upon that. And that sounds like a process too. Oh, it absolutely is. But, you know, when I look at it over time and add that patience factor, which is so hard. Patience is, that's that's tough. Mm -hmm. Especially, I think, with infertility because Mm -hmm. these timelines are automatically created (laughs) in your mind. We're reminded regularly, aren't we, that... This isn't happening. And yeah, so it's hard. But I have to say, my experience has been that my heart has been healed. The fact that I'm sitting here doing this podcast and able to talk about this is miraculous. Because a year ago, I couldn't even have a conversation with a friend, with my mom. It was too painful. And so I absolutely know that the atonement of Jesus Christ is real and working in my life on this topic surrounding infertility. And I don't know what the resolution will be, but I do know that in the meantime, he has healed my heart and given me comfort. Thank you so much for sharing. Mindy, as we're talking, we've sort of hit on the silence and loneliness and really stigma that often surround infertility and miscarriage. And I think we've mentioned the unique difficulties in the church when there are such desires and expectations for motherhood and or children. And I think the challenge is we don't always know if someone is experiencing infertility or pregnancy loss. Mm-hmm. We really don't know unless they share with us. Mm-hmm. And even if we are aware, it can be really hard to know what to do to help. And I think we all really want to help. And we've made covenants, right, to mourn and to comfort those that are suffering. 
And we'd love for you having experiences to share what are some ways that loved ones have supported you as you've gone through this and what are the best ways to help comfort a friend or family member when we learn that this is something that they struggle with. I feel like I have a lot to say on this topic. Um, Which is so valuable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The first thing I would say is you're absolutely right that it is such a personal journey. It's a very private matter. And so now that I feel like I've been comforted to a certain degree, I him now an open book, but many people are not. And so sure. it's very important to be sensitive to the unique individual and to be aware that everyone is battling something. Every person has something that's weighing on them. And to be sensitive in our general conversations, in Relief Society lessons, in mm-hmm. whatever the setting, so that we don't say something that is flippant or can be taken hurtful ways. Because I've had that happen. Mm -hmm. And comments that were made about, oh, well, we're all mothers, we get it. And I'm looking around the room thinking, I'm the only person in this room that's not. So totally unintentional. Mm -hmm. Sure. But, you know, when you're already grieving, it can kind of sting. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just that general principle of being kind and inclusive with our language, with our speech, not talking in absolutes, I think is really important to remember. You know, the thing with infertility is that it's a loss that can't be seen. Mm -hmm. It's something that hasn't happened versus something that is an obvious loss of when someone passes away. It's, Mm -hmm. oh, well, we have this life and now this person has moved on. And then there's a funeral and very public acknowledgement. And this is the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's very personal. It's something that didn't happen. I love this question about how can we comfort Mosiah 18.9. To comfort those that stand in need of comfort, mourn with those that mourn. Really, the answer is ministering. Our prophet has been inviting us to minister as the Savior would. We comfort, we sit with, listen. I think listening is key. Maybe saying less. Most underrated service. Listening. (laughs) Saying less and just being with. We can certainly ask questions But I think we need to be very careful about asking specific questions and examining our motives of, I'm asking this question because I want to know, because I'm very curious about, you know, what is their situation? Or is it, am I really interested in how can I help? And that's where ministering starts. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? Ministering doesn't start with these like deeply personal, (laughs) (laughs) private conversations. It starts with, we're friends and I'm developing a relationship and we're caring about each other. Yes. And that's that's how ministering starts, just like any friendship or relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of those listening type ministering things that will bless individuals. There are also some things that maybe we don't want to (laughs) do. Can I just share from my own yes, experience? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. So I think there are well-intentioned statements we make about, oh, there's a reason for this. Oh, let me tell you what the reason, you know, oh, God must have another plan for you. That's not comforting. You're like, you don't mm-hmm. think I already know that? It's like, I know that. <laughs> I don't want another plan because women have babies. This is what I've been taught. I have a divine desire to be part of this process. Mm -hmm. And so statements like that, instead of being supportive, they're actually invalidating. Mm -hmm. They actually say, you know what, you shouldn't be feeling that. Mm -hmm. Or what you're feeling isn't okay. You should feel this way. Yeah. (laughs) So that's one thought. Another thing is, you know, to just be careful about respecting privacy. I have a friend who taught me that as she ministered to me, she'd had a very similar experience. 
And she was able to not just identify with my experience and talk me through kind of some of the nitty gritty details, Mm -hmm. but also she lifted me. Hmm. And I think we can do that in our ministering where we talk about those details and then point to Christ. She testified of the Savior. She testified of the healing that she had received because of his atoning sacrifice and his mercy toward her. She pointed me to him. And I was so grateful for that. I thought, that's ministering. It was really a profound experience. So if we can do that in a validating way, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. that I think that there can be a lot of healing. I just can't help but think when you mentioned it goes back to our motivations. Mm-hmm. What is our motivation for talking to somebody and approaching somebody or trying to support somebody who's going through such a difficult time in their life? And that is making me reexamine my ministering in general. There's some of my sisters that I don't know what they're going through and Mm -hmm. whether they want to share or not, what's my motivation in connecting with them? Mm -hmm. And it is to help them feel God's love for them and feel like he knows them. That just has Mm -hmm. been really helpful for me and helping me really have this perspective of how can I support and what's my motivation Mm -hmm. for supporting. Oh, I'm glad. Thanks, Shailen. (laughs) And that the guide that you just shared is what I'm going to do or say comforting. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can be hard to know what someone needs, but I think you've shared some really good ideas of like, these are some things that aren't so comforting, and these are some things that are. Listening, being with someone, those are all really comforting. That's our role when we want to minister to people. And what I also hear you sharing is that there is such an opportunity for empathy when we do open up and share our shared experiences. And I just had a friend who went through a miscarriage And I had a miscarriage at one point very, very early on in the pregnancy. And she said, oh, I had no idea. And then we could sort of talk. And I think that that's a really unique opportunity that we have as women too, whether it's infertility or miscarriage or just something else. When we are open, that creates opportunities for empathy. And that's so needed. I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that I've noticed in the scriptures lately is this principle of vulnerability I'm going to call it. We see Nephi who writes, oh, wretched man that I am, you know, or Moses talks about that he's slow of speech. And there are multiple prophets who acknowledge their weakness in Scripture. I mean, they carved mm-hmm. that into plates. <laughs> they had to be really wanting to share that. Why would they do that? It's so validating to me. Mm-hmm. I feel connected. Or when I hear Elder Holland talk about his battles with depression or Sister Roberto, when we express that we have experienced a challenge, something about that kind of endears us to that person. Mm-hmm. There becomes a connection. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're absolutely right that if we can just express a little bit of vulnerability, or I'm going to call it being real, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah, just be sure, real sure. about what's actually going on. And let's not overshare. But we can be honest that this is hard, and it's okay to go through hard things because that's how we grow. We have to have normal. It's totally normal, and that develops connection. Yeah, I think that that is a necessary part of this life, and connection is such an important part of our experience on this earth. And we certainly can see that from the pandemic of not being connected, of how much we long for it. I think that the Lord blesses us with these experiences so that we can share them and bless others and feel that connection, feel that validation. And hopefully that helps us want to connect with the Savior as well. Mindy, do you have specific ideas that we can do as ministers to even 
start a conversation or start connecting. Do you have examples of when that's been effective in your life, either something you've done or something somebody else has done to connect with you? It's a great question. I have a couple of examples that jump to mind. So during the pandemic, dealing with this challenge, a ministering sister had reached out to me and I told her that I was doing puzzles. <laughs> I did a lot of puzzles. And she asked me, oh, really? What? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of processing this infertility thing. And it's kind of how I'm grieving. It's one of the things I'm doing to process things. Yeah. yeah. And so she said, oh, we love puzzles at our house. Let me, I'm going to bring you some puzzles. So she brought me a couple. And they were different types. And I, you know, they're made of wood. They were kind of a different type of puzzle. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then when she brought them over, she just, asked, how are you doing? Kind of chatted for a few minutes. And I was grateful that she didn't press, mm -hmm. but that she was available and kind of engaged in my grieving process, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like she contributed to helping me without asking too many questions, if that makes sense. Like she was yeah. still contributing to my healing. And then she actually bought me one of these puzzles. So now I have it. Every time I see it, That's I think so of her. Mm -hmm. So simple. But that communication, there's that connection. And it allowed me to trust her such that I would want to maybe share some more. So that's one thing. Another experience, actually the sister that I minister to, mm -hmm. and I have absolutely seen the hand of the Lord in that assignment. Absolutely. So she has also been dealing with infertility much longer than I have. Interesting. And she knew all the doctors. She mm -hmm. knew all the procedures. Make sure you ask about this, you know, kind of the medical details. Mm -hmm. But the emotional support that she has given me has been off the charts. I could not have done this without her. And a couple of other friends as well who've had similar experiences. But this ministering sister has been so aware we have just really shared a lot. So she's been there for me when I've absolutely needed her and then vice versa. So I'm grateful that the Lord has put us together to be able to have that experience. And I think so much of it is just because we both found out like, you're dealing with infertility too. Mm -hmm. And then it was just, we didn't even have to ask. It was just like, oh, can I ask you questions? You know? Right, so right. I love those reminders that like, we are really here for each other. Mm -hmm. That sounds so cliche and trite, but it really changes your perspective when you're like, I'm here for someone and they're here for me. Like, yeah. what do we need to be doing for each other yeah. to make that happen? It's been very concrete evidence of the Lord's love. Mindy, is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners of the podcast or, or women in the church? I would go back to what I said at the beginning about the leaps of faith. Our prophet has invited us very recently in general conference to increase our faith. And I want to do that. He said, through your faith, Jesus Christ will increase your ability to move the mountains in your life, even though your personal challenges may loom as large as Mount Everest. That's a promise from a prophet. So faith, I want to increase my faith so that my faith can move mountains. Does that mean that I'll get everything that I want? Probably not. <laughs> but does that mean that I'll find happiness? Absolutely. God loves his children. He's our heavenly father, and he wants so much for us to find joy. But that joy comes through work, and it comes through challenge. But the mountains in our lives do not always move how or when we would like, but our faith will always propel us forward. Faith always increases our access to godly power. That's from President Nelson. My testimony is that miracles are real. 
I've seen them in my life. I've experienced them personally. They have not come as quickly as I would have liked <laughs> in some cases, but I know that they're real. God is a God of miracles. And so I have faith that there will be miracles in my life. I don't know what form they will take, but I know because I know the character of God that he is a God of miracles. And he has a desire to bless me and to bless you. And I share that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Mindy, we appreciate how vulnerable you've been in sharing your experiences. And there are so many things that I'm taking away from this conversation that have been inspiring to me. And I know that for many of our listeners, too, I think this has been a really impactful conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mindy. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. And as you've listened, if someone has come to mind who might benefit from this conversation today, we hope that you'll share the episode with them. And also, we love hearing from you. We love hearing feedback and are so grateful for emails and iTunes reviews and hope that you'll continue sharing your thoughts and feedback with us. You can contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. We also want to make sure our listeners are aware that as you're sharing, the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. It was recently added to the Gospel Library app. It's on the Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. Tune in, subscribe, and please continue to share these incredible voices and stories of women of faith with your friends and family. Finally, we'd also like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and many others who support this podcast. Until next week, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. Thank you.